3: Damba bar even on the left, i la a Samaritan. For
4: Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Fennin. Sit back, relax. If you're driving, then keep both hands on the wheels and pay attention. In this half hour of the show, we are going to be doing a rebroadcast of Erica Pellman, an organization called Shifra. They help women who are pregnant to have their babies. It's a wonderful organization. We have, in the second half hour of the show, we'll be talking about the portion of Bamidbar at the beginning of Numbers. Which means that Shfuis cannot be far away. Shfuis is like next week. We've got still a cappella music this week and next week, are the last weeks of a cappella music. We have a wonderful story all the way at the end. Very deep meaning of the story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. (laughs) The ongoing conflict in Israel and Gaza has too many incidents to be reported. Rockets from Gaza are reaching as far as Tel Aviv's southern suburbs. One Israeli was killed in Rehovot. Thirty Palestinians have been killed so far. The conflict started after a mother and daughter were killed during a Passover hike. In response, Israel killed three Palestinian Islamic Jihad leaders in Gaza and two in the West Bank. This is the first time that David's sling system was used to intercept mid-range rockets. Israel arrested and released a Jordanian legislator as he tried to enter Israel with over 200 guns headed for the West Bank. A security guard at a synagogue in Jerba, Tunisia, opened fire in the synagogue, killing two worshippers and two security guards before being killed himself. Dutch police arrested 150 soccer fans for shouting anti-Semitic slogans on their way to a soccer game against a Dutch team that is Jewish-owned. Israel's cabinet, some good news, Israel's cabinet approved gas pipeline for exports to Egypt. The new line will allow an additional 6 billion cubic meters of natural gas to be transported annually. While Israel and Hamas are exchanging rocket fire, negotiations are ongoing over the distribution of profits from a natural gas field off the coast of Gaza. Israel would mine the field, that means to explore it, not put mines in it, and give half the profits to Gaza. And finally, uh, IDF, or this is, uh, the is the Israeli uh, Navy, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, the IDF spokesman, made an apology on CNN for the killing of Shireen Abu Hakala. I think it's an opportunity for me to say that we we are very sorry for her death. She was a journalist, a very established journalist. In Israel, we are a democracy, and in democracy, we see high value in journalism and in free press. We want journalists to feel safe in Israel, especially in wartime. Even if they criticize us, we want them to feel safe. Abu Akhla was killed in crossfire and in a raid in Jenin last year. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital and get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state of the art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital born infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. With no further ado, we want to welcome Erica Pellman from Shifra to, uh, to our show. Erica Pellman is founder and executive director of Shifra, a unique Jewish support network nurturing women through unplanned pregnancy pregnancy crises crises shifra named for the midwife who defied paros decree death decree serves Jewish women anywhere in the United States and how are you today erica
2: i'm great it's sunny by me has it by you
4: oh this is the mid this is detroit we don't get that sun we will not see the sun until maybe april so don't even go there. don't don't even go there it's like we don't talk, we don't talk about the weather over here so but um hopefully we'll make things a little bit sunnier for the people listening so you have this organization where you help people have their baby what's how did first of all let's how did this all start how did you get involved with with uh shifra
2: so when i i grew up um in Texas, in Austin, Um, and I grew up, my family's pretty typical pro-choice Jewish family, Um, didn't really think much about it. Uh, When I was in my 20s, I actually worked at the U.S. Department of Labor in the Bush administration, and I actually had a lot of Christian colleagues who really started talking to me about pro-life things, just different perspectives. And I'd ever heard growing up, okay? And then when I was about 25, a very close friend of mine, also Jewish, also from Austin, called me to tell me she was having an abortion. She was not asking my opinion about it. She was just sharing, and she, her heart was broken when she told me, it. and we were both crying on the phone together. It was the wrong boyfriend, it was the wrong time. She felt totally ashamed. And I felt totally unable to help her, unable to offer her anything else, even if she had wanted something else. Fast forward a couple of years, I was um, going to leave the Department of Labor. I was married. I was trying to get pregnant. And I was having actually a fairly hard time. And I went into work one day and I knew I was going to leave the Bush administration. And I actually just said, in my own language, you know, God, what do you want me to do next? There's so many issues that I can work on. It wasn't This wasn't even in the corner of my eyes. The pregnancy stuff it was like something that had happened and was painful. But then suddenly it just occurred to me, like, what if she had wanted to continue the pregnancy? What, Where could she have turned to the Jewish community? What could the Jewish community have done for her? And I realized that while in Israel there are several organizations that help women through unplanned pregnancy crises, in the United States, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And this is strange because the, the Jewish community is so philanthropic and does so many things. I mean, there's like a Jewish breast cancer organization. There's a Jewish, every, every type of, but there was nothing here for this. And so I started this journey to start this and to see like, what would this look like? What would a Jewish organization do? How could we help? And then I've just been asking the question, what would you need to continue your pregnancy to hundreds of women across the country ever since, you know, one by one, starting very, very slowly, very, very grassroots. Um, but and so that's what got me here.
4: <laughs> uh, okay. So a couple months ago, we had on the show um, a, a woman who was, in a, was a bit of an authority on the subject she wrote a paper it was her doctoral thesis about what judaism says about uh, the subject of abortion and as we discussed jews are neither Jew- halacha jewish law turns out to be neither pro-choice nor pro-life and as she turned it judaism is pro-mother and uh, could you could you comment on that first before i ask that's my next question
2: so i mean So our deal is that we're not here to tell anybody what to do. And that in in the context of Jewish law, we've had women call us who have what's called a heter from their rabbi. They have, they're in a kind of crisis where their rabbi says, according to Jewish law, it is okay for you to have an abortion. And they might call us. We're not an abortion provider. So they're not calling us to get an abortion. Um, (laughs) they, They might call us and say, but I still don't want one. And so That is where we would come in and offer them social services and support that they might need to get through the crisis. But we're not going to take a position that you can't have one, according to Jewish law, because the rabbi just said they could.
4: Uh, Let me interject over here. Normally, the situation would be is to allow for an abortion would be if the mother's life is at stake. Is there something really critical. So you can't, if if this woman says, listen, the doctors say I'm going to die if I have an abortion, if I have a baby, and I have a permission from the rabbi, the rabbi says, listen, no, yes, I have to do it, and and, but I don't want to. So I don't think you could counsel anybody in that situation. Oh, no, but,
2: not, but these weren't circumstances where health of the mother was at stake. Absolutely not, right? If her health is at stake, she's going to die if she doesn't have abortion. abortion. No one would call us about that, that. And if someone did, we would say we are not doctors. This is not our area. The, the case I was talking about, I have a couple. One was a woman who was getting out of an abusive relationship, and her her rabbi, right? Not everybody, rabbi might disagree with this, but her rabbi Said that it would be okay early on in the pregnancy to have an abortion in her particular circumstances okay she called us she and decided, she, you know when she heard the offer that how we could help her she was in a very difficult situation from emotionally she decided to have her baby and she will never look back and regret on that she loves her child what she needed more she didn't really need an abortion what she actually needed was real support okay another woman had a situation um, it was more health-related, but it wasn't that, that um, life-threatening. She had a, a condition called, I can't even pronounce it, hyperemesis gravidarum. Um, and she was severe, requi- it requires bed rest during pregnancy, but it was, would not have killed her. But she's, again, her, her rabbi had given her, her Orthodox rabbi had given her a heter, a permission to have an abortion, but she didn't want one. And so we asked her, what would you need to continue this pregnancy? Um, what kind of social support would you need? And really she needed help after school. So we got her help after school, you know, and we didn't put a limit on it and she was able to deliver a healthy baby. And again, she never looks back and says, I wish I hadn't done that. She looks back and says, thank you for being there for me. Thank you for listening to me and, and helping me get what I needed.
4: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned the organizations that are in Israel. I have to be very closely familiar with one. my, Sister-in-law of blessed memory started such an organization in Sfat, and I couldn't find the name of it, but uh, she did. And what she used to do, I don't know how it started with her. I think it started with, uh, there was a relative of hers that was living in Sfat that wanted to have an abortion. And she talked her out and said, what would it take to, 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 same thing, what would it take? But what what their organization does is if there is an abortion clinic in Sfat, and they stand there, and as the women approach the abortion clinic, they say, "What would it they 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 some would call it harassment. they actually say, "What can we do that would make it such that you would have your baby you're You're not doing that no, no that's
2: not our that's we we advertise widely in the Jewish community, but we do not protest abortion clinics or that's not that's not our deal. Um, we're not, I mean, most of the, many, many of the women involved in our organization, people involved in our organization, consider themselves pro-choice, but they consider themselves really pro-choice. Like, we need to make sure that it feels like a choice to continue the pregnancy. And so um, we wouldn't, we're not, we wouldn't go with protest in front of abortion clinic. That wouldn't be something that people would be comfortable with at all. But if somebody wants our help, if they want to talk, We provide a lot of help. The first person who picks up the phone is a licensed clinical social worker with like 25 years' experience, a grandmother herself, who will be there with the woman through the baby's first birthday. And then we offer financial assistance customized to her needs, et cetera, et cetera. Um,
4: Okay, understood. So let me ask you another question then. So is why, why do you care? I mean, this is a person, they decided, I'm going to do this, and uh, why, why are you offering this service, uh, Erica Pellman?
2: Really interesting. Um, if you were to just sort of imagine, let's say right now, well, I offer because I feel it's a moral obligation to offer this. Let's say that, like, right now there's probably ten to 15,000 Jewish abortions in the United States every year, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and let's say, let's say that 10% of them, if they were offered help, they wouldn't have the abortion. It's my moral obligation as a Jew to offer that help to those 1,500 people. If it was 100 people, if it was 50 people, it would be worth the entire organization to make sure that they got the offer of help and that it was possible for them to continue the pregnancy. And so for me, it's like, it's my obligation. I'm just, you got to stand up and do something if somebody's suffering and if somebody needs help. I couldn't imagine living in another kind of way. And it just seems like this is, I mean, there's lots of different ways you can help, but this is the thing that sort of fell into my lap is this is my job.
4: Okay, understood. Okay, so our, if you're just joining us, our guest today is Erica Pellman. She's the founder and executive dec- director of SHIFRA, an organization that help women through unplanned pregnancy crises. It's interesting that you call it unplanned pregnancy crises rather than, say, like unwanted pre- pre- um, pregnancies. Why? Did, you must have thought about this quite a lot as to the jargon that you used. Why do you call it unplanned pregnancy crises rather than just say Unwanted pregnancies.
2: I mean, we use both terms. So, like, but they actually, so some, it's our, our three categories are unplanned, unwanted, and upheaval after intended. So, I will help someone. They may, not, they may not be considering abortion, but they're in crisis. Their birth control failed, and they don't know how they can handle another question. I'm going to help them. You know, it doesn't, they don't need to be considering abortion to get our help. We, we should get to a point as a society where people don't need to consider abortion because they have what they need. Um, so I hope that's why it could be unplanned and not necessarily unwanted. They may want the pregnancy, but they just don't have what they need. But some people actually it's unwanted and it could be unwanted because of external reasons or it could be unwanted because internally the, the mom doesn't know how she could handle it. And so our formula is what I call NACE. NACE in Hebrew, I know you know, is um, means miracle. And for us it stands for nurture, empower, support. So nurture is we give things lots of things just give them to nurture the woman uh, care packages and all sorts of aid customized to whether she's a first-time mom or she has other kids and then empower is the counseling the classes to increase her capacity to to thrive and flourish I mean our vision is that our our moms who we work with who we offer a lifetime of support are stronger at the end feel like it wasn't just worth it to have the baby. It's worth, it was worth it also because they became the mother that they, the, the human, not the mother, they became the woman that they were meant to be in the process of overcoming this challenge. And then support is we, have a, we create a support system around them.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, so according to Jewish law, there are situations which will warrant, maybe even mandate that a woman have an abortion. Have you ever had to counsel a woman who calls you and said, I'm supposed to have an abortion, but I don't want to? But you have to tell them, no, you really need to terminate this pregnancy.
2: No. I mean, if somebody, if somebody was in a, a health situation in which it was like she absolutely had to, we would say, I mean, we would tell them we can't, we can't help you if you're, if you're going to die from having this baby. Like, we can't get in the way with you of your doctors and you and the rabbi. Um, so if that happened, like, I wouldn't push someone to do something that would kill them um, in any way. Um, But but to the other question, sometimes it's not life threatening. It's not mandatory. Someone but someone does have a hystar, and they do go through with the abortion, or they, they don't have a hystar. They just go through the abortion. We continue to provide them counseling and kindness and love after and sensitivity, same as if they had a miscarriage.
4: Oh, that's interesting because it's it is a traumatic expression, uh, uh, a traumatic uh, occurrence. Uh, even if a woman has sat down and thought and says, really, I need to terminate this pregnancy and goes through it, it's still a trauma for them. And it may not, like you say, they didn't have the, or the rabbinic uh, dispensation for it, but your organization is there to help that person through that, that post traumatic crisis then.
2: I mean, so yes, the answer is absolutely yes. But for the most part, if someone anticipates it's going to be traumatic we can look at the underlying needs that would cause and help her. So she doesn't have to go into that trauma. Most of the people who have abortions who call us, it's not traumatic for them for whatever reason. That makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So we will provide counseling after, but most of the time, if someone knows it's going to be traumatic, they know they're going to feel this loss. This is not a life threatening situation where they're going to die if they don't have an abortion. Right. Then, we can look at those needs and meet them and we're creative, very creative and very flexible and looking at what are the underlying needs? Is it your confidence? Is it your parenting? Is it, you need, your husband needs a better job. You need a better job. You're going to be a single mother. You need a place to live. Like whatever it is, you know, there is a solution for people who want to find a solution. And I think they're going to be traumatized by an abortion. But most of the time they'll look for a different solution when they when they have someone who can walk the journey with them
4: okay that makes sense thank you for sharing that again our guest today is erica pellman she's the founder and executive director of shifra which is an organization that helps women through unplanned pregnancies so let's go back to the beginning then so you started as one person with an idea how do you start an organization that does this
2: uh, uh, so i went so part of the story um was very shortly after I had this idea and it just came to me one day and I started typing out, like, what would this be? What would be needed? I found out that I was pregnant for the first time. I mentioned I'd been struggling with that. And um, my husband and I decided to move. We also decided um, to go to a new synagogue. And when we got to our new synagogue, I just started sharing the new, the idea. And I have just found a couple of women who were interested. Um, some were pro-life, some were pro-choice, um, all pro-mom and uh, we started just brainstorming and figuring out how to do it. And then the first woman called me. But the original idea was we'll do something in D.C. and we'll spread it. But then the, from word of mouth, because of the way the Jewish community works, the first woman who called me was in Florida. So I just started working with this woman in Florida. And then the second woman who called me was in um, Toronto. So I started, we started working with this woman in Toronto. And we ended up developing a model where we could work with women anywhere and about initially we and we tried things and failed things so initially we tried to do it with volunteers and then it became clear we needed professionals like 20 percent of the women calling us are getting out of abusive relationships it needs to be a professional who can provide continuity of care so we hired counselor in um, 2013 and it's evolved you know it's evolved from there
4: okay wow it sounds like a major organization then that you're in charge of, but you're located in the greater Washington D.C. area, and you're offering services across the country. Don't people sort of like if you're such a to me, it seems like such a personal matter that if a woman is saying, "I need to do this," don't don't you have to have like a face to face? Doesn't have to be three D. Don't you need to go there? That requires yeah. like a. <laughs> it's a, North America is a big place. Yeah, I, sometimes it's actually.
2: The anonymity of it is, is helpful to people, calling someone they don't know far away, but yet is Jewish and understands where they're coming from, as being part of the Jewish community and whatever pressures that that entails, depending on where they come from in the Jewish community. So people call. I mean, it took a long time. Year one, one person called. Year two, one person called. <laughs> Year three, six people called. Like it's taken a, you know more than a decade to start building up. Um, a reputation and a trust and really letting people know we we operate with real integrity real respect for everyone and all opinions and all everything Um, but like this week we gotten eight calls from five different states you know
0: so
4: this week you've gotten eight people that's more than you had in the first five years
2: right (laughs) It, it was quite a week um we did a call from buenos aires and not, every, and not everyone's considering abortion. You know, some people are just like, oh, you help people with that. Great. And we're like, yep, yeah, here we are. You know, it's not something you could do. I mean, there's no way this kind of thing – I don't know. I can't say there's no way. The reason why we can have a national organization is because we're bound together by all being fr- from the Jewish community. And so it, it feels like you're calling family. Mm-hmm. We sort of, I sort of compare us. We're like your favorite aunts you know, that we're going to take care of you like family because we feel like that about our clients or, you know,
4: our family. So here's the scenario. This is a two-part question, okay? This woman calls you up, and you ask her, what would it take take for you to, to have your baby full term and to survive and live, thrive? And as it comes up, as you're adding all the numbers up, it comes out to be thousands of dollars. And the second part of the question is, what if this person is just scamming you? What if they don't really need the support? They're just looking for, uh, you know, get rich quick. Okay.
2: So, okay. So let's answer the second question. Everyone who calls, we do a, we do a background check on them. We do a check. It doesn't mean we, it's all hooked into the finances because someone could call us, be a two-income working family, and the, the fourth kid is going to completely stress them you know, or whatever it is. So it's not that it has a minimum income level or something like that, but we do do a background check and reference check. And in like over a decade, we've messed up one time. And I know exactly where it got messed up and it will never happen again. So that's that. So, um, but in terms, of, let's take it, to, it takes thousands. So there's a couple of scenarios where it could take thousands of dollars. One is, um, this, let me back up. People either come and they have a, they're in one, th- one of three financial situations. There are some people who come for whom they actually have a stable financial situation. They just don't have the um, emotional wherewithal to deal with it for whatever reason. Okay. Second people, they have a basically stable financial situation. They're working, but this is going to be a big stress on the family. Third is they do not have a stable financial situation. Maybe they're on the edge of homelessness, okay, or whatever it is. So I'm not afraid. You know, you have someone who is on the edge of homelessness, let's say. Right? It's going to take sort of thousands of dollars. We need to get her into a, a permanent housing situation. I'm not going to pay for her years' worth of rent, but, she, you know, she might need some real money until she can get stable. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to try to do it in the most efficient way, but we're going to do that, okay? Let's say it's a family, like I said. um, You know, they needed a lot of babysitting help, okay? I didn't put a price limit on it. This is a human life. I'm not going to put a price limit on it. If it's not in my budget, I'm committed to going out and raising the money because I don't think money should be a reason you have an abortion. From my end, somebody else can have an abortion because of money, but you are coming to me, I'm, and you don't want one, and there's a financial thing. We will try, figure out a solution. And like I said, the solution comes when you commit to finding the solution. You know, I can't give someone a $50,000, like, au pair, okay? <laughs> you know, we have, to find a, we have to figure out the, the most efficient way to find the solution. But if you commit to finding the solution, the money follows, in my experience
4: that's interesting it's really about um, the commitment it, it kind of sounds like you know you give God the bill and he pays it is what it kind of sounds like but um, I mean what, right. what if the woman has been diagnosed through ultrasound that she's her baby's gonna have spina bifida and this kid is gonna be in a wheelchair and a big drain and a real a real just like the whole the whole whatever comes with having to take care of a disabled child and the doctors are recommending, listen, for your sanity and for you've got other kids and you have a whole family, and this is going to become your life having this child, and they're recommending to have an abortion. She doesn't. What are you going to do for her?
2: So that's an interesting question. We're not really set up for the prenatal diagnosis. Like I said, our main thing is unwanted, unplanned, whatever. Well, let's say, so this woman, she, she's like, I don't want to have an abortion, but I don't know how I'm going to handle this, Right. So this is a, like, a long-term thing, and this would be a multiple sort of strategy. Now, number one, if, she does, if someone actually doesn't want to have a child, like I am not up for raising a disabled child, there are, I have a friend um, named Steve Krause. who runs an organization called Jewish Children's Adoption Network, and what he does is find adopt, adoptive families for children with, with special needs. So if someone is not up for raising a special needs child, there is someone who will. Now, ask the question. Why would someone do that? Why would someone adopt a special needs child when they're going to be such a drain on finances? And these are not necessarily rich people who do it. They do it because they still see the value in that life. And because they, there are ways to tap into resources. Um, there's, for disabled, there are government resources for AIDS and things like that. But anyways, um, well, let's say the person is going to keep the baby. Then we start talking about what are going to be the resources for you? You know, with a severely disabled child, there's going to be government resources. There's going to be social services resources. You're not, you know, there are resources out there, and you wouldn't be doing this alone. And we'd start lining it up from the very beginning. You know, and we put our, we put our money where we could, um, but we'd also line it up. You know, so those would be, if somebody wanted to continue the pregnancy, she would have more than one option. No one should ever feel they only have one
4: option. That's fantastic. Okay. So... Over the years, how have people found out about this organization called Shifra, and how are you going to keep on finding about it in the future, then, Erica Bellman?
2: Thank you so much, uh, Rabbi. Um, so it, it, so we, we're trying every possible way to um, find out. I'm so grateful to be on the show today um, as a way of sharing it with a community in the Detroit area. And if anybody would, you know, in the Jewish community of hearing this would help, like to help us put up posters, they can go to JewishPregnancyHelp.org slash S-H-I-F-R-A-F-R-I-E-N-Z, Friend. We can help, they can help us put up posters, but we, we try posters, we do advertising on the internet, and this week we did a lot of Instagram influencers for the first time, which has been phenomenal and really exciting. Um, but we'll do, I mean, anything we can do, you know, reaching out to rabbis, anything we can do. But it's always, you know, it's, it's a very, in Israel, it's kind of easier to get the word out. because It's like a, it's all contained, you know, in a sm- small space. The Jewish community is very broad. So we always need help in letting people know this is a resource. if They need it or want it.
4: Mm-hmm. Very good. Do you have like a capacity when someone's going to call, you're going to have to say, we're, we're, we just, we can't help you.
2: So again, like the way I approach life is the solution comes from the commitment. So no, <laughs> you, you throw 10, and, and my staff is like this also. I mean, they work so hard. Um, you, you throw us, you know, we're going we're gonna to find a way to take care of you. And I will go to every Jew in this country and ask them for money because we need it. But it, I know that it will come because it, well, this is the most Jewish cause you could imagine bringing Jewish children in the world and helping empowering Jewish women. I, you know, the money will come. So I'm never afraid to take on the people because I know the money will follow.
4: Okay. That's going to do it for us again. If you would like to get in touch with Shifra or have a question for the director, Erica Pelman, or somebody else who's on staff, the way to do that is their website, jewishpregnancyhelp.org slash shifra friend shifra is s-h-i-f-r-a named after the midwife who defied pharaoh's orders of killing all the babies of the book of the book of of exodus which we just read this week and we want to wish you continued success erica and keep us apprised of any future developments
2: amazing thank you so much have a great Shabbat.
4: thank you so much That's going to do it for us. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, micosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman heard You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Time for some music. This is Yonatan Stern and Shachar Hazuli, and the song is called Yama.
3: Yama, Yama, Baketma yama 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 safona banekba ki etkona le tsherat roheb lekhan eketena eterez israel kum 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 ve et lekh baaret im talek baaret zakdusha kum ve et lekh baaret zakdusha i
4: We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community. And Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, this is Ari Goldwag. How can we go six weeks with acapella music and not play something Ari Goldwag? So this is Ashir LaShem. I'll sing a song to God. It can seem
1: so hard to see the brighter side of things. But when I look, I find you, master of everything. The sunshine, thunder, it all makes me wonder what tomorrow's gonna bring. So I sing to you. Jack has been forever singing for your name. Cause everything gets better. The more I grow and change, the sunshine, the thunder, it all makes me wonder if I appreciate. So I sing to you. Ashir La Hashem Chayay, La Hashem Ki Gema La'ay. Ashir La Hashem Chayay, La Hashem Ki Gema La'ay. I thank you for my life. Ashir La Hashem Chayay, my heart is alive inside. La Hashem Ki I lasham of Thank you all of my life, my heart is alive inside, lasham la bam Thing, lightning I gotta keep on gaining Move up and take the lead Wake up from my slumber come out from under To where I wanna be so I, to so I can sing to you So I can sing to you It's not something so easy To look at just where I've been To look at where i If I'm all too busy I gotta stop thinking from the slumber, came out from under The darkness that I'm in So I can sing to So I can sing to you Ashir Lashem Lashem thank you all of my life Ashir Lashem Echayi My heart is alive inside Lashem I'm not sure if I'm not sure I'm 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 you sure if i you all, sure if I'm not sure if
4: Sariga Log Shirela Shem. Next, this is Duty Frischman. Song is modeani which just means I thank you, God. <laughs>
1: שאחז את הנישמתי מודאני על בגד שנחת על שלו יהיה קרא תשומר عليه מודאני כל בוקר על אור על צמחיותי מודאני I am a man
4: Hershel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week, we will be reading in the synagogue the portion of Bamidbar. And this portion is mandated that it be read the Shabbos pre- preceding Shavuos. Shavuos is the uh, 25th and 26th. It's Friday and uh, the last Friday and the last Sunday, Saturday of Memorial Day weekend of the month of May this, this year, because, of course, it's tw- always 49 days following the beginning of Passover. So there's a mandate that we have to read, it, which is why last week we read Bahar Buhu Koshai, and two weeks ago we read, uh, three weeks ago, we read Achrimos Kedoshim, and the week before that we read Tazriah Metzellur, so we have all these double portions, so that we could be here right now where we are today. Thank you. So, what's the connection? If it's if it was mandated by Ezra the scribe at the beginning of the Second Temple time, that this is the way it must be that midbar has must be read before Shavuos. So, this connection between Shavuos and the portion of of the book of the beginning of the book of Numbers, it is a pretty easy one to discern, because. What's in the book of Numbers, specifically in the portion of Bamidbar, which is the beginning of the book of Numbers, is a whole bunch of senses. What things do you count? Do you happen to know how much trash you have in your garbage can that's sitting in your backyard or your side thing or wherever you keep your garbage cans? No, because it's not important. You might know how much money you have in your wallet, unless you're one of those superstitious people who never counts their money, because you never know when they might find an extra 20 there. But besides that, usually people count their money, because that's something of importance. So here we are. We're coming up to the giving of the Torah, and the Almighty says to Moses, you count the Jewish people. God could have very easily just told Moses, oh, by the way, Moses, there are 601,750 Jews right now living in the desert. You think God couldn't have done it? God, yeah, no. God wanted Moses specifically to do the count, to show that, quote unquote, if problem, you can express it in a colloquialism, because we count, we matter, we're important. What does it say about things that are counted? Something that's counted never gets lost. There's a rule in Judaism that you're not allowed to cook milk and meat. But if it just so happens that a little bit of milk dribbles into a pot accidentally gets mixed in, it's no big deal. As long as it's not adding any taste, which means one-sixtieth of amount of milk versus meat, it's not going to be anything of importance. It's lost. It's gone. However, if you have one non-kosher chicken and a thousand kosher chickens because you can count to a 1,001, this chicken makes all of those chickens not kosher, because this one could be the kosher one, this one could be the not kosher one, it could be kosher, it could be not. So since you don't know, it's not it's not 1,000 versus one, it's now 50-50. It either it's the kosher one or it's not the kosher one, each one, because it's an individual, because it counts. That's the idea. Here we are. We're coming up to the holiday of Shavuos which is referred to as the uh, the orphan of the three holidays because everybody knows about Pesach. you got the Seder, you have the Matzah, you have the whole thing over there. It's eight days long. You have Sukkot, you have the shaking of the Lulav, the sitting in the booth outside. And on, Pe- on Shavuos in Israel it's one day. They stay up all night. They decorate their houses with flowers, sometimes with paper cuts. That's a thing that my wife discovered. They eat dairy in the morning, and uh, they stay up all night and learn Torah, and... That's it. The day's over. Done. And outside, we'll be doing it on Friday. Outside Israel, we'll be doing it on Friday, which is the day of Shavuot, and then Saturday also, which is the second day outside of Israel. But it, for all intents and purposes, it'll really just be another Shabbos. Except we'll we'll do the uh, we'll have a different set of prayers and a different set of uh, Torah readings. So this doesn't get a lot of press. It doesn't get a lot of publicity. But where would we be were it not for the holiday of Shavuos, the giving of the Torah? If we weren't given the Torah, we would, they wouldn't have a Passover or a Sukkot. So in many ways, it is the most important holiday. And it's understand that we have to make it count. Speaking of counting, have you ever seen com? If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or iTunes Radio or Apple Radio or iHeartRadio or any of the other places where one might uh, park their podcasts, podcasts, well, jump on over to RabbiFinman.com. If you're at RabbiFinman.com, you can see what's there already if you're listening to it here. And we have wonderful things on RabbiFinman.com. We have the radio, editions of a radio show. We have archive editions of the eParsha, the U Parsha, And we have the very important, we have classes. We have the very important donations page. Yes. We need your help. We're coming up to the end of May, and uh, we're not anywhere close. April, thank God is gone, but it looks like it's going to be one of those May-June things coming up. Yes, it does happen sometimes that we get like three months behind, but they always seem to uh, get paid the bills, and it's only because of your generosity are we able to do such a thing. So, go to RabbiFidman.com Make an easy payment. We're making trying to make it easier. It's Right now, it's very easy. We want to make it so it's, like, seamlessly easy, like, beyond easy easy. So, you know, that's uh, – we'll keep you posted about that. You can make it a monthly thing, you know, if you just want easy. So just one time set it up, and it comes out monthly, and uh, bada bing, bada boom. And you get quality radio listening – right there on your phone, on your tablet, whatever it is, however you listen to your podcasts. They're right there, and this is definitely radio worth listening. If you'd like to send a check, which there are less and less people actually that send checks at this point. Um, it's been a while since I got a check, but you can send a check to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, for48. And 1725 Pinecrest Drive it happens to be Jewish Ferndale, which is one of the sister organizations of the Jewish Hour. And you can check out JewishFerndale.com, all the things we have. We are instituting this week on Monday. If you're listening to the show on Sunday or Monday, it's not too late. If you are a female, we're doing something called the Women's Circle. So go on, hop on over to, to Jewish Ferndale and check it out. It's uh, 7 to 9. And it's led by uh, Jewish Ferndale's own, oh, Nechana Finman and Ivy uh, Abrin who is a uh, licensed coordinator of, uh, I don't have the flyer in front of me, but she does this stuff all the time. And it's uh, going to be pretty incredible. So you can do that. And we have classes, of course, and check all the things at jewishferndale.com. Okay, so the Baal Shem Tov, someone asked the Baal Shem Tov the founder of the Hasidic movement, some, uh, uh, let's call it the uh, 1740s when this story happened. Somebody asked the Baal Shem Tov about having trust in the Almighty. So he said, you want to see trust? Come with me. Okay, so there was a group of the followers of the Baal Shem Tov and this man, they got into the wagon and the wagon and the Baal Shem Tov told the wagon driver, Ivan, drive. And Ivan started driving, and Ivan fell asleep, and the horses took off. So the Baal Shem Tov could travel many miles an hour, uh, faster than what horses could normally travel. And they pulled up into the city. I believe the city was Brody, but don't quote, quote me on it. And they pulled in front of this one house, it was an inn. And inn is where people would stay the night. So he we went in, and uh, they went into the inn. And the, the innkeeper was delighted to have the Baal to stay in his inn. This is like in a big honor. And it's just, so they had a whole setup over there. Everything was laid out, laid out, all kinds of food and drink for them in the middle of the meal. So the, uh, a big burly Cossack walks in, and he bangs his walking stick on the ground looked menacingly at the innkeeper and left. So the uh, Baal Shem Tov said, what was that all about? And he says, he works for the local squire, the pirates, and it's a reminder that my rent is due today. So the Baal Shem Tov said, you look very calm, you must have the money. He says, I haven't got a penny, and I don't know where I'm going to get it from. Balshemto looked at him quite uh, incredulously. Really? He says the Yishem will provide. At sometime around noon, something like that, the Cossack came back, and uh, evidently the first time this happened, it was in the morning. The Cossack came back, and he again, banged on the floor, and menacingly looked at the, I think banged on the floor twice. And this time he looked at this man very menacingly. And the innkeeper calmly said, tell your boss. I have until sunset. Okay? Don't bother me. Don't bother me till then. Okay? An hour before sunset, the Cossack came. This time he banged it three times. The innkeeper put on his coat. The Shemtov said, what, what are you going to do? He said, I'm not worried. As he walked out, so uh, he tried to hitchhike a ride from uh, uh, somebody who was driving by the person they talked a little bit, and whenever he, he he pulled out without taking the innkeeper, but then he stopped, and he yelled at him, "Come on, okay." And they talked and they talked and they talked, and uh, the uh, saw that the uh, the person in the wagon gave the innkeeper a, a, a bag of money, and then proceeded to take him up to go to the to the squire's castle. When he came back, he said, well, what is that all about?" innkeeper said, he said, I happen to sell one of the better grades of vodka in the area. And this person needed quite a sum of vodka. In fact, it was exactly the amount of money that I needed to pay my yearly rent. And so that's it. He got it. He's got the vodka he wanted and I got my rent paid. So the Baal Shem Tov turned to this person who had asked the question and said, do you see what it means to have trust in God? That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. <laughs>